wind blowing toward right field. If Alex could find something to pull, get it in the air, he would get some help. Familia's next pitch. Belted to deep center. Back goes Lagares. And gone, Alex Gordon. In comes the pitch. Broken bat, one hopper to third. And over to first in time. Runner going to try to score. Wild throw. Hosmer gambling that he could dash home on the throw to first base. And the Royals have tied the game. For the very best in baseball, this is the place you want to be. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. And on today's show, we're going to dive into the top storylines around Major League Baseball. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. You can also email the show if you don't have Twitter, LockedOnRoyals at gmail.com. Uh, you can DM me on Twitter or email me if you want to join the Locked On Royals Fantasy Baseball League on ESPN. Uh, totally free to sign up. And if you can beat me and win the league, you'll win a prize from the show. Again, that's LockedOnRoyals at gmail.com. And my Twitter is Ryland underscore styles. I am Ryland Styles. This is Locked On Royals. And as you all know, if you've listened to this show for a long time, you know that Fridays are typically spent going around Major League Baseball, the biggest stories around the sport as a whole, because I know uh, a lot of you do not have time to keep up uh, with baseball on a grand scale, rather just your local Kansas City Royals. And this is a kind of a way to bridge your fandom uh, and grow the sport even more than it already has during the season. We're going to, of course, talk about Kansas City in the first two segments, and then we'll end the show with you know, some larger Major League topics. But for right now, as we wait for the season to return, let's just talk about baseball as a whole. We've done a whole week of Royals topics. We'll continue to do a whole week of Royals topics for the many, many weeks to come uh, in this season. But right now, let's get you primed up for the season, which is one week away. We are a week away from opening day, and what are the top major league stories heading into the 60-game 2020 season? That's been long debated. It's been long, a long time coming, and we're finally here. Uh, the first story is how does the league handle the Houston Astros? Now, I know that fans will not be there to boo them, and some of you are very upset about that. The Astros come to town next week on Monday and Tuesday at the K for exhibition play. But how does the league handle the Houston Astros? We know that there's going to be no fighting this year because of coronavirus and social distancing, and you can't, well, although in baseball you can probably fight with social distance anyway. Uh, but nonetheless, there's probably going to be no uh, vicious attacks on the Houston Astros, and if they get hit, they've just got to take it. Uh, but how does the league handle the Astros? Because while fans won't be there, every time the Astros go to a new city, uh, those players will be asked about playing the Astros, They'll be asked about what they did. They'll be asked about it over and over and over again. And that's going to weigh just as much on the opposing players as it will on the Houston Astros. So what's going to happen with the Astros? Will we forget about the whole banging of trash cans? What if they're good? What if they remain good? What does that do to the, to the common fan? Because what's made me so mad about this Astros story is not the fact that they cheated necessarily. It's the fact that the Astros has, have always been a team uh, that I've admired personally. I love what Bregman has done. I love Alex Bregman. 
Okay, I've called Jose Altuve the best player in baseball. And they were so talented. George Springer, Altuve, Bregman. They had an elite team. They had a superstar baseball team. And yet they still decided to cheat. It was not like the lowly 100-loss Royals decided, hey, you know what, let's cheat, that way we can be better. This team was already good. It would be like the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant starting to cheat somehow in basketball. It was That was the part that drove me crazy. You were not trying to necessarily get a competitive advantage because you already had that. You already had that with your lineup. You had that with your pitching staff. You had that with your manager. It was it was insane to me because it was so unnecessary. So what happens with the league? And I'm talking, for, you know, current players, uh, managers, the media. What happens inside the league and what happens in each fan base if the Astros are good and then if the Astros are bad? If the Astros are bad, do we automatically discredit what Jose Altuve has done in his career? What Alex Bregman has done in his career? What George Springer, who's an upcoming free agent, has done in his career? Does this cost George Springer money? I mean, again, he's an upcoming free agent. If he has a down year and you look at his baseball reference page and since the the, the banging supposedly stopped, he's going downhill, does that raise a red flag for GMs? And does he not get as big of a contract as he might? He's already on the wrong side of 30 by the time that he's going to get signed. So he has a lot at stake this season. The Astros have a lot of pressure, again, to be good. Not only are they still the best team in the AL West, they're one of the best teams in baseball still, and, again, you need to show that you're good without cheating. Uh, and as, as it's all out in the open, we know that they're not cheating anymore. Uh, it was still up for debate. Even though they said that they weren't, it's still up for debate the last couple of years here. What happens when we know affirmatively they're not cheating? And that can be dangerous. Again, they're the best team on paper in the AL West. I'd say the third best team in the AL. I still like the Yankees and Rays over them. And we know in baseball, when you start pressing, when you start feeling pressure, when you start trying to do too much, a sport of failure can eat you alive. The sport of failure can ruin your season if you spend a week trying to trying to do too much, trying to prove too much. So the Astros are the number one story in this season. And you can take it, like I said, any which way. What if they're good? What if they're bad? What if players continue to hit them? Are they going to break the whole social distance, no fighting rule? Are they just going to take it? If they are good, how do they react to being good? Do they become more arrogant, more cocky? Do they lose even more credibility credibility publicly? What happens with the Astros? That's number one. Number two on the top 10 list of top MLB storylines is the Angels. Now, I know that Mike Trout is going to have to leave for the birth of his kid. Credit to him for doing so. I, I If I was him, to be quite frank with you on the air, I would not play this season if I was him. Family is too important. He seems like he's going to play, although he's going to leave, of course, for his wife. And this season... He's got Otani back in that lineup and on the mound. He's got protection with Anthony Rendon, something he has never had in his entire career. How do the Angels look? 
Now, I, stay, I, I still think they're a year away from being a year away. That rotation, that pitching staff is not good enough this year, even with the addition of Shohei Otani. You know, adding him back and, and him being healthy enough to pitch this year is what I meant by being back. I, I still think that they need one more offseason to overhaul that pitching staff, and then that lineup with Trout, with Rendon, they're going to be good. They're going to be really good. But they're still going to be so fun to watch. Anytime you can get the best player in baseball on the same team with one other, if not the most electric players in baseball and Shohei Otani, it's going to be fun to watch. And then you add in, oh yeah, Anthony Rondon into the mix. The number three storyline to me is Mookie Betts and the Dodgers. And this is for many reasons. Mookie Betts, of course, is an upcoming free agent, so you're going to want to see how he performs in a contract year. You're going to want to see how he performs in the bright lights of L.A. Mookie, of course, is an interesting scenario. He's not going from a small market. I mean, he's going from Boston, and Boston is a huge baseball town. So he's he's lived uh, the life of, of, of having pressure on him in a baseball setting. Most towns don't get that, even if you're a big market. Again, the Angels... Don't have, they're, in a, they're in L.A., they have no pressure on them publicly. So, how does Mookie Betts perform in L.A.? Getting adjusted to the National League, new pitchers, uh, new ballparks. You're not going to Tropicana. You're not going to Camden Yards. You're not going to the short ports in New York. And for the Dodgers themselves, they went out and made this move for Mookie Betts. And it's going to end up, which they didn't know at the time, it's going to end up with just 60 games with Mookie. Just 60 games. That's all you're guaranteed. And for this Dodgers team, who has been the best team in the NL by far, in the NL by far, each of the last three, four years, if they fail yet again, if they can't win that World Series trophy, what happens? Do they break up this team? Do they say enough is enough? Do they fire Dave Roberts? Do they trade pieces? What, I, I want to know what's going to happen with this team if they, again, fail to win that World Series trophy in L.A. Are they going to write it off? It's a 60-game season. There's so, much, there's so many ways you can turn this, this Dodger story that is very interesting to me. And after the break, we're going to get to the rest of the top 10 list of the most interesting MLB storylines. So number four on the top 10 MLB storylines to me is the Tampa Bay Rays. Because the Rays have been a fun story really their entire existence. They've been just the scrappy um, Rays that have a low payroll but still continue to win. They have no fans, a terrible ballpark. No one goes to their games, but they still continue to win. Uh, they're the model franchise for small markets. They're what the Royals should be. They're what the Royals should try to be. Uh, and, and it's hard to duplicate what the, what the Rays have done. Can they take that next step? They have the pitching. You have Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now. They have the hitting. Yandy Diaz, Austin Meadows, on down the list. They have what it takes from a pitching staff, the bullpen, lineup, defensively. They have what it takes. They have a great manager. Can they take the next step and go from the Rays, the, the little old Rays, the feel-good story Rays, and take that next step to being World Series contenders, to being you know 
a team that strikes fear into opponents to being AL East champion, Tampa Bay Rays. World Series champion, Tampa Bay Rays. How far can the Rays go, and, and what is their next step from here? Again, the Royals should model themselves after what the Rays are doing. The Rays make tough business decisions. They trade away guys like Evan Longoria. They trade away all-stars right before they get that big contract. Conveniently, right before each of them fall off a cliff, and they get back guys that continue uh, to perform well and keep their race competitive. But it's time for the race to go from competitive to contending. And I personally think this is their year to do that. I want to see it happen. I also want to see how many young guys the Rays do call up in a 60-game season. Are we going to see their top prospect and the top prospect in all of baseball, Wander Franco? The Rays are the most interesting team this year, and they're the team outside of the Royals that I'm most excited to watch this season. So number five, who is the best team in the NL Central? For me, I'm all in on this Reds team. I really like that Reds lineup. I think their pitching staff is good enough. But... If you came to me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles, if you emailed the show, LockedOnRoyals at gmail.com, and you made an argument for the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Brewers, I would hear any argument for any NL Central team outside the Pirates winning that division. And I would say you're right. I would say I see your point. It wouldn't be laughable. And I would say that's probably going to happen. Even though I would pick the Reds, I'm probably going to be wrong because the NL Central has no clear-cut winner, in my opinion. There is no team that separates themselves from the rest. I love that Cardinals pitching staff. That lineup has a lot to be desired, in my opinion. I love the uh, the Reds lineup. That pitching staff's good enough. The Brewers, I don't like anything about their team, but they have that intangible quality about them. They have some 2014 Royals in them where you look at that team and they shouldn't be good, but they just become good. I like that Cubs lineup. Rizzo, if he's healthy. Bryant, if he's healthy. Javier Baez. You can make a case for any team in the NL Central winning that division, and I want to see how that plays out. Are they going to beat each other up? Is one team going to be so much better than the rest? Because the NL Central has a good chance, depending again on if these teams beat each other up, to have a wild card spot along with their division winner. Because the East is just so difficult. I mean, the East, you have two games that you're hoping you can take off. And in my opinion, you only have one game that that you should take off and absolutely win. And that's the Orioles. I think that the Marlins are a scrappy team. They have a lot of major league hitters. They have a good pitching staff. They're not going to win games, but they're going to be a scrappy team that can steal a game if you take them lightly. The only rollover team, in my opinion, in the East is the Orioles. Is Baltimore. Now, that's the only rollover team in the East. So that's, that is going to decimate the AL and NL East, in my opinion. At West, you have some more rollover teams than that. Uh, but still, the Central, on paper, has, has just one or two teams you look at and that you can feel confident making a, a a contending argument for. And really, I would say none. I mean, I, I feel confident the Twins will win their AL Central. I don't feel confident the Twins are going to compete 
the Twins are going to win playoff series. I don't feel confident the Twins are going to get out of the first round of the playoffs. And I can't even pick an NL Central winner. So the Central to me is going to be the most volatile division there is. There is no Astros. There's no Dodgers. There's no Rays. There's no Yankees. Uh, you know, there's no Braves. There's no Nationals. There's the Twins and everyone else. And even with the Twins, which we'll get to, are, are you sure they're going to be good? Number six is the Nationals. How good are they going to be coming off of that World Series? That magical run that in all likelihood probably shouldn't have happened. But how good can they be? I love that rotation. Don't get me wrong. I have serious questions about their bullpen. I have serious questions about their lineup. How good can the Nationals be? That's number six. Number seven, can the Yankees stay healthy? Listen, I know that Royals fans hate the Yankees. I know that baseball hates the Yankees. But I like good baseball. I like watching good baseball. I don't care what the uniform says. And that Yankees lineup, if they can stay healthy, is going to be fun. It's going to be more than fun if they can stay healthy. But that's a big if. That is a big if for the Yankees. And in a 60-game season, a couple of injuries, and with the Rays being as good as they are, that moves the Yankees from a division winner to a one-game wild card. And now they have Garrett Cole. So I'd still feel pretty good if I'm a Yankees fan in a one-game wild card. But you never want to leave your, your faith in a one-game scenario in baseball. Number nine, excuse me, number eight, what are the Twins? I love that Twins lineup. They have a ton of power. But outside of Jose Barrios, I don't like anyone on that pitching staff. You know, in the rotation, Trevor May is a good guy. A good, good little pitcher out of the bullpen. Probably one of the best relievers in baseball. That's two pitchers on their entire team that I feel confident in. Two. Last time I checked, you need more than two pitchers to win a significant amount of baseball. And it's going to work in the, in the regular season. I, I, trust me. The Twins are going to be good in the regular season. So don't come to me on day 66 of the season whenever the season wraps up and the Twins are in first place and the Twins uh, look amazing. Come talk to me after the postseason. Because the Twins right now are not built for the postseason unless they get some surprise pitching performances. And that can happen. It really can. But right now, what are the Twins? Do they have the pitching? I know they have the lineup, but but the only sure thing to me in that staff are two guys. Two. They need to show they have more than two throughout these next 66 days. Number nine, what are the Blue Jays? And... I don't think anyone expects them to, to be good in, in the sense of competing. Uh, no one should expect them to even make a wild card run. But what are these young guys? Uh, they're a fun team. I mean, their entire ball club is 90s baseball players' kids. Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, Vladdy. What, what are the Blue Jays going to be? And... Uh, this question to me is not about wins and losses. I just want to see these young players perform very well because I do have a lot of hope for the Blue Jays moving forward. 
obviously, in a 60-game season will not make or break any of these young players, but I do want to see them uh, call up a Nate Pearson, call up a Nate Pearson and call up some young guys and have fun with this season. Because in a 60-game season, anything can happen, including the Blue Jays shocking the world and making a wild card run. So, uh, you know, what are the Blue Jays might be an unfair question, uh, but just how fun can they be? Because they have potential to be the most marketable team in baseball. They have potential to be the most TV-worthy team in baseball, which is a big deal in baseball. How many teams do you seek out on television? Living in Kansas City, outside of the Royals, how many teams do you watch play baseball when they're not at the K? When the Royals are not involved, how many times do you turn on baseball? A team like the Blue Jays could get you to turn to tune in, and that leads right in to number 10, the TV ratings and TV revenue. Listen, baseball for the first time will have zero, count them, zero days in the spotlight. I take it back, one day. The 23rd, they're going to be all alone. But starting on the 24th, NBA begins scrimmages. Yes, scrimmages. Glorified exhibition games, which are already already being talked about as not playing a full-length game and changing some of the rules in that game. But I guarantee you, those games will be on TV, and I guarantee you, those games will have a ton of people watching. So, from the word go, on the second day of the year, with all but four teams making their season opener, from the word go, baseball will compete with basketball, hockey, MLS, and later on in the year, as always, football. If we get to football, if football happens, if sports don't die by the time we get to the postseason, all of those qualifiers aside, this is what it's lining up for. It's lining up for baseball not to have a single day of a full slate of baseball being the only option for Americans, being the only option on television. Can they make their product interesting enough? Can they make their teams interesting enough? Can they make their players interesting enough for you to tune in to watch Jorge Soler belt 20 home runs in 60 games rather than watching Luka Doncic hit a setback three? Rather than Patrick Mahomes dancing around on a 10-year deal and throwing touchdown passes? Can they market their stars because more than ever baseball is going to have to do that you can't go to Kauffman Stadium you can't spend these hot summer nights at Kauffman they don't get exclusive rights they don't get to corner the market in July and not only are you competing your regular season is going up against basketball postseason action Can baseball survive that? Can baseball get enough eyeballs to make this season worth it? That's the question. 
that's the biggest storyline to me about the health and the growth of the sport is how many people, when you have not only Netflix, not only Hulu, not only you know regular entertainment, when you have other sports on and other sports who are in phases like hockey and basketball that are already in the playoffs, who are in stages that mean much more uh, to you know the casual fan than regular season baseball. Can you make this entertaining? Can you make the broadcast entertaining? Can you make the sport entertaining? Can you make your players entertaining? That's the big question to me for this season. That's the top 10 MLB storylines for this season. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles to let me know what your top 10 MLB storylines are. That wraps up this week on the Locked On Royals podcast. Next week will be opening day. And I cannot wait to get baseball going. We've had 100 shows without baseball. Over 100 shows by the time opening day gets here without baseball. This show has never seen a regular season baseball game in the life of this show. And yet the support has been phenomenal, and it goes to show how amazing Kansas City sport fans are. So be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Royals.